welcome to today's very special Senior League Trade Deadline Mania episode of the Fakeo Sports Report on the Live from Lake Balfour Podcast Network. Today is going to be one of our craziest, most insane episodes of the summer. There's so much to get to in senior basketball leagues. Crazy stuff going on all over the place. Trade deadline was the night of bizarre, and it was crazy. So many superstars being moved, tons of trades, rumors, coaches, you know, haggling back and forth over trades. The trade deadline was insane, so we'll get over that. Plus, a huge slate of senior league basketball action happened today, so we'll get to all of that. We'll break down all the games. Plus, we'll be doing power rankings of all the teams, a lot of movement given after the trades, after the action we saw today, and those since the last episode. So much to get to on today's episode of the Mako Sports Report. All right, and today I'm joined by our league's expert, Ethan Lairfeld. So, Lairfeld, there's been an insane amount of movement, as I mentioned at the top, in the league. A lot of trades to get through. We're going to break down. Plus, a lot of players from the K-House moving on up into the league were brought in. And there was also a major injury that we'll get to as well. So, a lot of the teams look very different than they looked the last time we recorded. So, what's your initial thoughts? Well, I think that, you know, some teams got better. Some teams got a bit worse. Um, I don't think there was anything drastic or drastic moves. Well, there, of course there was, but... Um, so I think we should start off the top by saying we had some really unfortunate news. Avi Pellet, one of the stars of the league's team, um, Chuck and Avi, had been dominating. They were number one in our power rankings the last show. And uh, Avi, unfortunately hurt his finger, and he's out for the remainder of the season. So that's a huge blow to their team. They got a lot of support, though, today by calling up two huge players, Beef Stew, Matt Hillman, both star players on the 14th team that we talked about so much earlier in the summer, were called up to play on the team. So they had a bounce-back win today. But I think we should get started with that is a huge blow to the team and really unfortunate news. Definitely. I think we mentioned this in an earlier podcast how if you lock down Chuck, you give to Avi. If you lock down Avi, you give to Chuck. Yeah. You can't guard both of them. But now with, I guess, Avi being injured, it really leaves teams free to just key up on Chuck. Yeah, and we'll get to this more in the power ranking section later on. But just to start with that news, a lot of more trades happen. There's some blockbusters. So, Lairfeld, why don't you break down some of those? Yeah, well, there was a big trade. First, let's start about Dan Dan's team, which I think had the most significant movement. Um, They acquired uh, LSH, or uh, Leo Leo Hoffman. Hoffman. Uh, Cheech and Sanders for Ruben Grant and uh, Jason. They sent both of uh, three of them to the. So Raiders this team, so this trade, uh, just to get going, is really just a crazy trade to me. I mean, so much happened. Where Leo Hoffman is one of the best players in the league. He had been on the team with the Waiters Counters, really just kind of on his own. He had not. He been, didn't really fit. It was a tough team. fit because Potters was the second player. He was also an interior player. And Leo really just ended up with taking a lot of shots himself that were tough shots because they didn't have much help on the team. But now, Leo Hoffman, who's clearly one of the best players in the league, he's such an explosive athlete, now goes to a team that already has Aiden Rabb, which is crazy. So now he's the same player. So now we're talking, you probably have two of the top six or seven players in this league on one team, not to mention a guy like Leo Elkins, also on the team, who's a great interior rebounder, yeah, can hit the really layups. Good. So all of a sudden, this team, I mean, this trade no doubt made them better. Yeah, um, no doubt. Um, their starting five, in my opinion, on paper, is the best starting five in the league. I would agree. Now, I think that, and we'll get to this later on the power rankings, the results today, they suffered a seven-point loss today, which was definitely a tough blow for them. because Close game. 
it was a close game throughout, but I think the team was really hyped up because, as you said, on paper, when you take two of the top players in the league, combine them with a third, probably top 15 or top 20 player in the league, all of a sudden this looks like a really dirty team that really can beat you inside out. Rab is probably the most, aside from Glass, one of the most well-rounded players in the league. So it looks like on paper like it's a nasty team, and I think that they definitely improved off this trade. Yeah, but what I do think, and I think you know, from their loss today at the hands of the team of one-star player, Eli Greenberger. They do have some chemistry building to do. I heard that was a bit of an issue. And I would agree. I think we've seen this from other teams that have two-star players. Like, before Avi got hurt, Chuck and Avi the had to get the first game they played. They had some difficulties. They only scored four points that first half. And uh, we talked about that more than enough, that game itself. But I think that shows the point that when you take two great players, it might take a game or two like to for Rab and Leo to really get their footing together and really work out the kinks. And I think we saw some of that today Definitely. because these are two alpha players. Especially it's a huge adjustment for Hoffman who goes on the team where he was really playing hero ball the whole game, just taking to the rim because the team really had no other options. He's got a lot of second fiddle. And obviously that's great because this is going to be such a competitive team. But that's also definitely an adjustment for a guy like him who's one of the best players in camp to go from now from being one of the best players, from being the single best player on his team to now being second guy. Yeah, well, I think it's actually a better adjustment for Leo. Leo's a phenomenal player, definitely a star player, but he I is. don't think he is the, one of the best perfect in the hero ball player. I would agree. And I think he will definitely I think he'll benefit thrive. more yes. from going on to Rob Seymour Dennis. Yeah, and I think, and I think this, so I think he's definitely a clear winner of this trade. And then to talk about the other side of this trade, which was the Waiters Counselors, I think this was probably one of the worst teams in the league, and that's just being blunt. I mean, at the end of the day, this team really struggled with Hoffman playing hero ball, and he's a terrific player, but that's really not the best fit for him. Um, and now they pick up guys um, who, you know, I mean, they're good players, guys like Jason, uh, guys like Ruben, but they're not super superstars, so they can't really carry a team. And I think we saw in the game today, which they suffered yet another loss. This one was a 12-point loss. Yeah. Um, I think we saw that they have a lot of solid players. They definitely have Who's know, the guy? no dark spots on the team. But exactly, there's not a guy on this team. There's guys like Potters. There's guys like Ruben. And Potters is a good interior player. Ruben can shoot the ball from the outside. Uh, guys like Jason is a really good all-around player, can physical on both sides of the ball, good at blocks. But I think at the end of the day, this team doesn't really have a go-to guy. And, and unfortunately, I think that's going to be – all that it is for them because they're just not going to, they're going to struggle to create an offense without yeah. a guy who is really just the go to guy to get a bucket. Yeah, I mean, I think if this team wants to be good or a bit better going forward, Ruben definitely has to become the guy. We know he has it, we know he's a lockdown shooter or, you know, an excellent shooter, but he has to be even better. He has to create for other players, create for himself, and I think if Ruben can do that, then this team could be much better. I, I agree with Right I'm now, it's just a bunch of second-tier good yeah, players. Yeah, and, and it's not to say that these players are not all good players. These are all players who probably be, you know, the second-best player on their own team and on, on a lot of these other teams in the league and be very good at that. And as we saw with a guy like Ruben, who was playing on Raz team prior to the trade, but now that he goes on the team to try to be the alpha dog, you know, that's a tough, tough transition for him, just the same way that it's a tough transition for Hoffman to go from being the alpha male to being second fiddle. A guy like Ruben, who may not have the, even though he's a terrific shooter, or, but I'm not sure if he's ready for that role. All right, Feldy, um, let's move on to our next trade. There was another enormous blockbuster that 
completely changed the complexion of two other teams. So why don't you break that one down? Yeah, so uh, Levine's team, or Ben Cohen's team, traded Bellinson and Miles Samuels to... Cor- the second and, so basically, and then they traded for Isaac and Hoppy. Yes. So essentially, the second and third best players on the team that carried Ben Cohen and the team that carried Noodle just flip-flopped. And it created two very different outcomes. I would say this was probably the more lopsided of the two blockbuster trades. This trade really clearly one team just got a lot better and one team got a lot worse. And well, I think that yeah. that's probably more about the fit than the talent. And I think that it's going to be interesting to see how it goes forward. But essentially now, Noodle now has Miles Samuels as the second player. Now, Miles Samuels is a very good player. But Miles Samuels is a big who does not, I mean, his outside game, he can shoot the ball a little, but he's really more of a dominant inside force. He's a really tall kid. And Noodle, as well, is one of the tallest kids in the league, probably second to Glatzer, standing at six foot three. He's a big, strong kid. He can really rebound. He has an interior game. So now you're taking two tall kids. There's no doubt the team has height, but at the same time, they really struggle on the perimeter, and then they get Bellinson as their third player. He also comes over in the deal, and... Don't get me wrong, Bellinson's a good player. He's a really good defender. He's he can drop it. But he is not a go-to guard. He really struggles. He really lacks an outside game. And it's really his play style just is really to be a distributor, play inside. Definitely play not. He's not the defender. He's really not a scorer. Primary, primarily, he's really just not a scorer. So, therefore, you're talking about two bigs and a guard who is really more of a playmaker and defender. And then and you have, you know, Zach Appel. Who is Zach Appel is the fourth player who really is a shooter. Doesn't um, do much else. But he's pretty average. He's, I would say he's an average league player, which really does, doesn't cut it for what this team needs. So this team essentially has no lead guards, so, no scoring guards, and now you have two bigs who really kind of take up each other's space. And I think we saw that play out in the game today, and ultimately the fit on this team, it's a questionable trade for sure. Yeah, so this team got two dominant big men, and in return gave up two of their guards who were very good. Right, and I think that, you know, we ranked this team with Noodle fifth in the last power rankings prior to this trade, like, and we said that this team had a chance to go places because the fit on this team was really good between guys like Isaac, who's kind of a big guard, who can score they the had ball. Their struggles, Hoppy had a great game in the game before he was traded where he scored a lot, and I'm not saying this team was perfect prior to the trade, but I definitely think there was a lot of growth that we saw over the first few games and the fit between Noodle and the two guards who could score the ball was definitely a much better fit than this current one. So I think that that trade, I remember the reaction around camp was like, whoa, when they made the trade because it's kind of like, and that's not to say that the player for player straight up, I think it actually is a pretty even trade. But when you look at what this team already had in Noodle and then putting him with guys like Miles Samuels and Bellinson, I think it's definitely a questionable fit and we'll see how it plays out going forward. Yeah. See, Corbin opted to stack. Yeah, Corbin, the coach, opted to stack big men. He has two dominant star player big men. But in return, has essentially got rid of his guard, so he has a less balanced Right, so I think think it's going to be an interesting experiment to see the rest of the way because there's just really no one who can match up with the size of this team. I would say that other than Noodle and Miles Samuels, Glasser is the only one who's of a similar height and dominance, so that's definitely something they should really be able to dominate the glass. And the team who they did the trade with, a team who desperately needed guards and role players, Isaac and Hoppy absolutely smoked them today. Terrific um, trade yeah. for them. So, it's looking really yeah, good. Yeah, you know, I always hear Ben talking about the fact that um, he is more or less playing some sort of hero ball. He really 
doesn't have a lot of supporting players. Right, so before the trade... They got them in this trade. So I would say yes. So Ben, I would say, is probably the biggest winner of this trade overall because he goes... He was on a team with Miles Samuels with Bellinson, and I think that overall he was just frustrated by the fact that he had to be the primary scorer. Oh, he's great for himself. He did not have much... Uh, help on the perimeter, not and Bellinson, as we said, is a good role player, but he really struggles sometimes to create his own offense. And Ben was really having to play a lot of hero ball. And I got like Miles Samuels, more of an interior player who was definitely doing great on defense and crashing the glass, but not so much of an offensive mm-hmm. threat. Well now, really good shooting. Well now, Ben's team is one of the premier shooting teams in the league, as we'll talk about more as we get to the power rankings in a few minutes. Ben's team, they just exploded. They flat out exploded today. Yeah, you know, they erupted. Yeah. Ben shot the lights out of the ball. Hoppy, Isaac. It was just great team basketball. The click, the team clicked from the get-go. And I think that this team is really looking great after this trade. Really brilliant to now take three guards. Have other guys who can create shots for themselves. Drive inside, which we saw with Isaac today. I thought of overall, this trade is looking really good for them. And the team looks good. Yeah, they put up 49 points. It's something that before the trade, Ben's team... Never Absolutely. I saw an interesting stat is that before this trade, Ben's team did not put up over 30 points the entire season. Those four games, they were not able to get over 30 points. After the trade, they erupted 49 in one game. And I think that's really telling for the difference that not only does this trade effect because now you have guys like Hoppy and Isaac who can score the ball in a way that the players couldn't do it before, but it really opens things up for Ben. Ben has 27 points in this game. Uh, just a public service announcement for a sec. Ben will be on the podcast tomorrow for an interview, but um, Ben really just had a great game. The floor really opened up for him when the defense really had to close out because a guy like Bellinson and Zach Appel before, the defense was never really concerned. They were really putting all their focus on Ben, but now you put guys like Hoppy and Isaac on the outside, and all of a sudden the defense has to go outside. And we saw that today. The zone played against them did not really work. Can't key up on one player. Because you can't, yeah, because... You really can't afford to just go all out on Ben the way you could earlier before the trade. Yeah, and I think this trade, while initially didn't necessarily have a clear-cut winner, I think it does now. And I think Levine's more balanced approach definitely wins out over Corbin's more stack-my-bigs approach. And I think it's definitely a gutsy approach by Corbin to make this trade go for the two bigs. And there's not to say that it can pull an upset when you just have that much dominance inside. I mean, there's no doubt that it's a angle that we don't really often see, but having two six-footers. And neglecting the guards. Yes, but I think that the guard plays. At the end of the day, guards went out in leagues. Guys like Chuck, guys like Ben are really the dominant players in And the big league. guys can do both. And the big and guys, point and, the, and Evan really, even although he's the biggest guy on the court, he really plays as a guard, taking the ball to the court. And I think what we've seen time and time again is that, well, yes, guys like Noodle are dominant players. If you don't have that go-to guard, you can just flat-out score the ball and who the defense has to, it's forced to guard up on the way they had to today. I think that it shows that guards are really the biggest thing in this league, and that's why Ben's team is looking really good. Got Rab and... Hoffman's team looking really good with the lead guard. It's just all of a sudden these trades now, when you trade for these guards, now the team's a lot more explosive and they can score the ball in a way that they just flat out couldn't before. Yeah, um, I still do think each team has, especially um, uh, Rab's team, has a long way to go. And yes, Obviously. and I'm not saying that either of these teams are really a done deal. I, I think that they have a long way to go, but I think that the potential, both on paper and what we saw today, is certainly there for both of these squads following the trades, and I think that it adds a really cool element to the league that we have four Definitely. of our eight teams with completely different rosters. But and the frankly, question is, 
can it be Glasser and can it be Eli? So that's what we're going to get so to. so far it hasn't. So, so far it has not, but I think that we're going to see it as we go to the power rankings that there's really a group of five teams, all of whom has a, have a legit shot to beat Glatzer and put him to run for his money. And I think that these coaches are all trying out different angles, and I think that's honestly probably more of what we saw from Corbin is just the intimidation factor of Glatzer. That is the effect that one man, Evan Glatzer, can have on the rest of this league, just absolutely captivating them to the point where Glatzer has had such an effect that Noodle and Miles Samuels, Corbin has no choice, but he fe he feels he has no choice but to stack his players all in hopes of being a guy like Evan or trying an unconventional strategy because as we've seen Glatzer now on a three-game win streak, there's just no a conventional strategy is flat out to not work against Evan Glatzer. Yeah. And you're going to need something really deep. unique. You cannot yeah. just play defense. You cannot just have a mediocre team that, you know, just runs a set offense. You need to have a go-to guy, and in the case of Rab and Hoffman, have two go-to guys to really lead that scoring attack, and I think that that's what we're seeing around the league, and now you're looking at a setup where you have five teams who all have very different looks, and we'll get to this more in the power rankings, what each team really looks like in and out, but I think that each team has uh, offers a different version of how to beat Glatzer, and we'll see if any of them can be successful over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it done before, um, obviously, with uh, Chuck and Avi. Avi's now gone. Um, Rab's team, before the trade, beat Evan. But, you know, it's hard to beat him twice. It is. And you've really got to do all you can to accomplish some sort of insane, maybe gimmicky strategy to, to get back on top of him. Yep, agreed. All right. All right, now let's move on to the power ranking section of our show. So we have prepared for you the eight teams in the league listed in order from worst to best, and how. And this is not to say that any of these teams can be contenders in the league, because there's this is really just a stack league this year, Larafield. But I think that we're starting to see some separation from tiers. I think that five teams have really established themselves as contenders, especially post trade deadline, and the other teams are really fighting to be relevant. So let's get started with our number eight team in the league, which is the Waiters Hounslers team. I don't think we need to spend all too much time on this. We hit on them before. They made a trade that basically took them away from playing ISO ball with Leo Hoffman and basically more rounded approach. A more rounded approach, but that rounded approach is not consistent with any star players. Um, so ultimately I think this team struggles. They lost thirty one nineteen today to Chuck's team without Avi on it obviously. So it's definitely a struggle for this team. Yeah, they just couldn't put in their layups today. Um, I think Ruben missed three big layups. Teddy missed two. You've got to make your easy shots. But I will give them credit because they are a big team, and I think that can get you really, really far in this league. Hopefully yeah, and I think that the chemistry, layups. I think this team no. really is going to rely on chemistry to get through because they have five players, all from guys from Ruben to Teddy to guys like Jason and GP. They have five players on the floor at all times, and Potters, of course. They have five players on the floor who are very competent basketball players. There are no players on this team. They're, they probably have – GP is probably the best fifth option in the league, I would say. But that being said, I'm not sure if that can get you as far as just having a one really terrific player. And I think it's going to be a struggle from here on out. But You need the guy, then you need good supporting players. Right, and they have the supporting yeah. players, but I think that that guy is just what's missing. They even have Ruben, who – He's questionably a star player, not even a sporting player. Right, but I think that he has to really be able to show that more in the coming games. All right, and let's move on to number seven rankings, which is Noodle. They have taken a two-spot tumble since our previous power rankings following the trade. They lost again 
today in a defeat. It was just overall a tough game for them. The adjustment to now playing the two bigs really clogged up the space for Needle. I thought it was a tough game. Definitely. Um, and like I said, it all revolves around guard play. Bellinson today had seven points, um, which I think is, is definitely a step up for him. Which is, yeah, for, I mean, for a guy like Bellinson, that's a big game. But ultimately, you need your lead guard to be probably You need better. Zach Appel to start scoring. Sam yeah, and, he, and he's the fourth player on the team, and I think it's tough to expect the fourth guy on the team to be a scorer when a lot of teams, they just flat out, you know, expect to take one or two shots a game. But that's the reality of this team. When a guy like, when Corbin trades for a guy like Miles Samuels to cop the noodle, you're really asking your guards to step up, even if they're not, you know, advertised as being the best in the league. So that's definitely a little pressure to put on them. And I think Bellinson, it's not as though he did a bad game. I thought he actually played well today but on both ends of the floor. But it's just kind of difficult for them to create offense. And they definitely offer a unique approach to two of the three biggest players in the league, as we talked about earlier. But ultimately... I think that their loss today shows that there's a long ways to go. They're just team. not complete enough to really compete. I would agree. Yeah. Um, and that brings us to our number six team in the rankings, which is Mixed team. Um, team, which consists of Jaden Fisher-Dane and Jaden Levy, two, two guards. So I think this is the opposite version of the team that we just talked about with Noodle, where you have two guys, Jaden Levy and Jaden Fisher-Dane, who are both smaller guards who – are great scores and they showed today both of them were absolutely on fire today. Jaden Fishdan, we know he's one of the best shooters in camp. Yeah, as he's proved in multiple tournaments, leagues, games. He went berserk today. I thought Gabe Steiner, and we'll get to this later in the podcast, played terrific defense on Fisher Day and he was just nailing shots from all over the court. He played a terrific game today and I think that it shows the difficulty of the team that you have two guards hitting all their shots and yet they still fell short because they just do not have the size inside to really match up with a lot of the best players. Yeah, in the and league. they have two solid big guys, Dane App and Ben Summer, but not one of them is like a Jake Potters or or even a Miles, just the go-to big guy. Or just two big role player big guys, Agreed. essentially. And, you know, Ben's been playing well, Danny's had his difficulties, but they've both been playing well. But and it's not to say they're bad players, but I just think there's a size of this team. When your big guys are really... You know, not offensive weapons and really not terrific rebounders as well. It just doesn't pose the same threat. And I think that, you know, Levy and Fisher Dane are definitely working to play off each other. I thought this was the best example I've seen today of them playing off each other because, Jeez. you know, sometimes it can be difficult because they really have the reverse problem of Corbett's team in that they have two lead cards who both or have that alpha mentality, want to be the go-to scorer. They kind of want to pull it up from, you know, three feet behind the line and show their range, dribble around with the ball. And I think that it can, you know, be difficult to play with two guys who are both looking to score. But I think today they really did a good job channeling that, sharing the ball. But still, it fell short because this team just doesn't have the depth around them. And I think if you have the right pieces, if Mickey could find the right pieces at the deadline, they probably could have been, you know, a real contender this league. But because they really just didn't have the flexibility to move around some of the pieces, it ultimately leads to them probably not being in the group of real contenders. Yeah, like I was saying earlier, um, or I alluded to earlier, I would rather have two elite guards than two elite big men. And I agree, and I think that's why we... Because guards can run the floor. And that's why we rank this team ahead of Noodles, because this team is clearly ahead of the team, Noodle and Miles Samuels team, but still, they still struggle, because it's just flat out not well-rounded enough and at the end of the day, that's the most important thing is to have a team that really works well together. They have a good record, though. They're 3-2. They're fine. Yes, yeah, so they are 3-2. So, 
but they won against some of the weaker competition in the league. Um, and as I said, they look good today. And making them sixth in the league, I think, really just shows the real depth this league has. But at the end of the day, they just struggle sometimes, especially defensively. They gave up 49 points today. Now, granted, it was the Glasser's team, but still, they just struggle sometimes defensively with two guards like Fisher Dan and Levy. All right, and before we get on to our number five team in the league, I just think we should discuss that with the tiers that I think we see the league in. So I would say that the Waiters Counselors team, Ruben's team, is probably in its own tier at the bottom. Um, just not enough star power on the team. Then I think Noodle's team, as well as uh, Fisher Dane's team, is probably the next tier of teams where they have a lot of talent on the team, but it's probably just not well-rounded enough. Then we get to the third tier of teams. This is... Teams five, four, three, and two. There's four teams who are all made. Some of them have made trades. Some of them are just really gelling. Um, some of them have got some call ups. So I think we're gonna see the next four teams. Number five team I would not say deserves to be number five. In that, you know, there's four. These are legitimate contenders. All of these teams and the number five team. Five, four, three, and two can all. Play yes, with they can all play with Glasser. All these teams have an upset, so let's get to our number five team in the rankings. Yeah, and that's uh, Ben's team or Levine's team, and they looked really good. And they looked really good today, and that's all I'm saying is that I think that this is one we of the best teams in the league. We talked about it earlier. They were gelling today. Ben exploded for 27 points. He was just terrific. Um, he hit six three-pointers. The team was just wet all day long. They dropped you know, way more points than they dropped in any game. Their offense looked terrific. Their chemistry was an instant hit. This trade that they made for Hoppy and Isaac is just looking great right now. Yeah, um, it just looks really, really better. Ben looks, like he said, much And more I think Ben, ben looks much more comfortable both, I would say, mentally and just the way he was playing. I think that he was getting really frustrated and fed up with his teams, you know. And I talked to him, I know. <laughs> yes, right. I think he was getting really fed up with his the way his team was fitting. I didn't think he was very happy with it, especially, you know, when you're on your way to so much your last run in leagues, you know, you really want to be a competitor and I think that They're the team is tough for him. Yeah. But this trade has overnight turned them into legitimate competitors in this league. However with the team they flashed a lot of potential today. Yeah, however, they did play um, Corbin or Noodle's team. I would like to see them play Somebody right, and I think they had a couple of caveats, and I think that while they just played amazingly, I think a couple of caveats in that, which is why we left them ultimately at number five, is that, as you said, they played Noodle's team, who's not the strongest team in the league, they have their deficiencies, and I think it was overall just a really bad matchup for the team they played against, and also they were just hitting every shot, and obviously, while they have great shooters on the team, like Ben is just a terrific shooter, I mean, you expect them to regress to the mean in some sorts. They're not going to be shooting crazy. Ben is not going to hit six threes in every game. And that's not to say he's not a terrific player, but it's just he's not going to have 27 points every game. And I think while he looked a lot more comfortable today, I think it's going to be really telling to see how they come out in the next game. Can they keep all the momentum? Because right now, you know, all the, the team is feeling good. Ben is feeling great about how much better his team got. Guys like Isaac and Hoppy feel a lot better about their team now that they're on a new one. You know, the momentum is really riding high. This team is hot. They're feeling it right now. And I think how they keep it up in the next game next week is really going to show, is this team a real contender or did they kind of just burst out on the scene for one game? Was it a fluke? Was it a fluke? So I think we'll see. Was that shooting a fluke or can they continue? And all right, that takes us to our number four team in the list, which is Chuck's team. I think it is a real, real compliment to Chuck. 
and just a show, show of how dominant of a player he is, what a great leader he is, that this team is still far after the Avi Pellet injury. They won again today. Now, granted, it was against the team in eighth in our power rankings, the team with Ruben on it, so take that with a grain of salt. But at the same time, this team looked great again today. They scored a lot of points, and Avi is a huge blow to this team. The fact that he's out for the season when him and Chuck, we talked about this last podcast, were really firing on all cylinders before the injury. It was a devastating loss. Really just sad to see how when they were playing so well, both for Avi and just for the team as a whole, when they were playing so well. But now they call up two great players from the K-House. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Peach to Matt Hellman, who showed today their value. And even though, obviously, you can't replace Avi, I thought that Chuck did a great job integrating them today. Uh, they did a great job playing you know, playing as well as they could under the circumstances and ultimately winning that game in stride. Yeah, you know, Beef's a, Beef's a dog. He completely took over for Avi's defensive and rebounding skills. He had over 10 points today. Really, really stepped up. And Hillman is, you know, he's not the most effective scorer, at least in this league, but he really is a good defender. Great defender. And a very he's good just, facilitator. He's just a great facilitator. You trust him with the ball. Player. He's kind of like, I would say he's has a little bit of balance in him in the way, as we talked about before. You know, he's not going to be the best scorer on your roster, but and I think we see the exact same, we see the exact same version of him in the 14 games um, that we talked about earlier, where he's really just a terrific just defender. He's just one of the, as you just said one of the most reliable guys on the court. And I think to have the combination of Beef Stew who can score, he can really do it all on the court, and Helmet who's just a reliable guy. As I said, doesn't make up for Avi, but I think it definitely helps mitigate the loss. And, of course, you had Chuck to the mix, who just was phenomenal yet again today, scoring the ball. He's probably the best shooter in this league. And he can just create. He can pop it from anywhere. He can just – the kid can flat-out score. Yeah, Chuck was phenomenal. But if there's one thing that I would say is concerning is that Chuck did shoot under uh, 50% today. And, obviously, not every day you're going to be a wet shooter. Um, but it's a bit – out of the norm for Chuck, as he usually makes most of the jump shots or shots behind the three-point line that he takes. But it's not a huge concern, but it's definitely, if I were to look at one thing that was bad to, uh, to take away from today. Yeah, and so I would think that that team's really interesting because obviously you still beat Levine as well. So that team, a great recovery from them today. And as you said, Chuck will probably be even better in the next game. So we'll see how they recover and what they get to, uh, some tougher competition in the next game. Which brings us to our number three team in the power rankings. Fella, why don't you talk about that one? Yeah, Rob and uh, Leo Hoffman's team. Um, they played good today, but they suffered a loss to Eli Greenberger's team or Goldstein's team. They just right. came up a bit short. I was talking to Leo Elkins. Yeah, seven-point loss. Yeah, earlier before the podcast. And Leo definitely told me that the chemistry just wasn't there yet. But they still only lost by five points. And this team can definitely compete. And I think when the chemistry does get there, and I think it will, um, this team is definitely going to be very scary. Right, so and possibly today, the, the biggest threat to Wolfie or so Blasters today, team. Yep, so today up at the Superdome was an epic battle between... Our number two and three great teams here at the power rankings, two of the best teams in the league. Um, this team is fresh off the trade, and as I said, the chemistry's not there. But on paper, this might be the best team in the league. I mean, obviously Glatzer is Glatzer, and we know that, and they played really well today. It was a real team effort. Uh, no, we get that, but at the same time. This team on paper is just filthy because Rab is a top five player in the league. He really does it all. He scores the ball. He defends. Uh, I think Danny mentioned this actually on the podcast I did with him the other day 
and in regards to Jacobs Cup. Rapp is a really terrific rebounder for his, and he's grown a lot this year. Uh, and he can really rebound the ball. That makes a big impact, especially again he's more of a guard type player as a forward who can really uh, do it all in the court. And then you add Hawkins to the mix, and Leo Elkins is a guy who. When you say you have two of the top players, two of the top six or seven players in the league, you would not assume that you also had another player like Leo Elkins. Phenomenal but, in the paint play. But I think it just shows the kind of talent that uh, this team has amassed that they were able to trade for Leo Hoffman without giving up a guy like Leo Elkins in the trade package. So this team, you said the chemistry wasn't there. I think it's good. They only lost by seven points without any chemistry. So over the next two weeks and the trade deadline, you know, it's towards the end of the summer. We're already past Bazaar now. Um, the postseason's coming up, you know, as soon as we know it. So there's definitely not too much time for them to click because of the, how this team was so put together so last minute. But I think that there's definitely a ton of potential on this team, and I'd say this team might have the highest ceiling of any of the league if they can really figure it all out and click. Um, definitely, but um, and I guess this brings us to our next team. It really speaks to how, I guess, good uh, Goldstein or, or Eli Greenberg so this is team. Right. So this team got a bump in the rankings. Um, last week we ranked them at four in the rankings, and I think that that might have been a bit low for them. You know, they were kind of unproven. They had just made the trade to get the two Greenbergers, Eli and Jacob, together. Um, it's clearly worked. But it's clearly working right now. They're really just, you can tell, they're just gelling the two of them together. They played another great game, and... Eli is now clearly He's established himself as the guy both on his own team and just as the second best player in this league. His slashing ability, I think it's just on full display. He's just flat out more physical than the other players. And when he drives to the rim, he people just don't stop him. He just goes right through them. And so the contact is nothing. And it's really great to see. You know, every age group has yeah, the guy. And I think before this year it was pretty... It was unclear in the it was in the who the 15-year-old's guy was, but it's definitely Eli Greenberger. He has he came excellent camp on a shooting, moment. and he's excellent getting into the paint, especially through the middle, and just putting up tough shots. Yeah, and he's a really tough guy to guard. He's one of those guys where the defense really just has no answer for him. And when they try to just double him or box and one him, as we saw um, in some games he's played this year, you know, kicking out to a guy like Jacob to score the ball is really great, and the depth is really clearly here on this team. So this team is really looking dirty right now. They obviously took down the team with Leo Hoffman and Aiden Rabb earlier today. So it's going to be really interesting to see where this team goes going forward. The chemistry is clearly there, and who knows? Let's see if they can make a run at Glasser. I feel like they definitely can. I feel like if there's a player who definitely threatens Glasser the most, it's Eli. Greenberg. I'd agree. Yeah, and... I guess we go to number one. We've been alluding to them all day. It's uh, Glasser's team. Yep, so Glasser today, they only they're won the game. So they're on a three-game win streak now. I would say that we're definitely no longer at the panic place that we were at just a couple weeks ago when they were 0-2. Now they're 3-2, and, and they're looking a lot better. Um, however, that being said, they only won this game by seven points again today. I think that This team is vulnerable. Definitely. There's no doubt that this team is not the invincible super team that it appeared they were at the draft from Glasser. I think the Glasser is just dirty. He dropped over 30 points yet again today, which is just, you know, for any other player in the league, we're like, wow, he dropped 30 points. Like, that's great. Like, look at that. And that's like, yeah, 30 points, all right. Let's see what else you got. I mean, um, it's, it's which really just speaks to, he drops over 45. Yes, which really <laughs> just speaks to just how incredible of a basketball player he is. He's so talented. And 
I think that the strategy, the defensive strategy, as we talked about, there's been a lot of gimmicks played against them. We've seen boxing walls. We've seen triangles and tears. We've seen traps. We've seen denying the ball. We've seen letting him. Yeah, we've really seen it all against him. We've seen Fallon every time he gets the ball in transition. We've seen every kind of gimmick in the book. Or so we thought until today I thought that Mickey's team, who we talked about, who really struggles with the size. Um, they have their two guards, the Jane Levy, Jane Fisher Dane, as we touched on it earlier. Because of that, I thought they did a really good job basically just forcing him to shoot. They denied him the inside. And they basically, I, I don't say they let him shoot from, you know, two or three feet beyond the arc, but I definitely think they tried to tempt him. They tried to bait him into taking the off-the-dribble threes from, you know, a couple steps back. And, you know, they were contesting them, but they weren't really going all out because he's so lethal when he drives to the rim and he's just flat and unstoppable when he euro steps and figure rolls right over the defense. So they really tried to let him shoot the threes. And at the beginning of the game, he was wet. You know, he's stepping in to, you know, you know 20, 24 footers, 25 footers, and just draining them. Um, but I think that, you know, we're talking deep shots on the dribble, but I think that, you know, obviously he cooled off at some point. He was not that electric the whole game, even though obviously he's just such a sensational player. And ultimately, you know, Glasser's team won. I think the outcome, although it was close, it was never totally in doubt. The team, um, you know, Jaden's, both of them really shot the ball really well today. Um, but ultimately, I think Glasser's team looks good. They got probably, the, this is probably the best team uh, game for their supporting cast that we've seen all summer long. Um, Alex Newman and Gabe Steinert are guys who we've talked about, you know, repeatedly on here. Every podcast we've done, I think you say, you know, well, Glatz is great, but can the role players step up? That'll be the key. And I think today we really saw a lot of step up. Gabe Steiner absolutely stepped up today in every way on defense. He, the defensive strategy for Glasser's team was to face guard Jaden Fisher Dane, deny him the ball. Yeah. And Gabe Steiner was all over him. You know, he's deflecting the ball away, not letting Jaden get up a shot because he's such a lethal three point shooter. He was all over the court, you know, in transition, making the passes, you know, finishing at the rim. He was just played a terrific game. And Alex Newman, I thought, oh, he didn't hit the threes today. He was getting to the rim. He had a really nice bucket inside where he did a, had a nice move to the hoop. And Jake Ludgan, the fourth player on the team, had a great M1 as well. So overall, the team effort was good. And I think that's why I feel comfortable putting number one, them number one in the rankings because I think if we see the role players step up the way they did today again, I think with a – effort from Glasser that is even more dominant. I think all of a sudden that's when we're going to start to see, you know, the 15, 20, 25 point uh, wins that we're accustomed to seeing. Yeah, and um, we know they're still capable of doing those 25 points. Right, and I think that we've yet to see the best of this team, and I know that we say that seemingly every time we talk about this team, that there's a level they can reach, and the question is, are they going to be able to reach it in time? Because I think if they play at this level where you know, they're playing really well. They're probably the best team, but they're not clearly a certain their will. Glasser, you know, Glasser settled for a lot of those threes, and that was definitely part of the defensive strategy. They're not in a league of their own. But, yes, I think that was part of the defensive strategy for them was definitely to let Glasser take the threes, but also he has to be more assertive going inside to the rim where he's just no one on the court can stop him. No one in this league, no one in this camp can stop Glasser when he goes inside to the rim. So it's really going to be key to see what's going to happen to Glasser as we go on over the next couple weeks, is he going to assert himself? How are the role players going to step up? Those are the questions that need to be answered. And if they hit the green lights, there's no doubt any of those teams in the, the tier below him, all those teams, you know, Ben's team, 
Chuck's team, Rab's team, the Greenbergers. None of those teams can beat Glatzer if Glatzer and his role players are playing at their best. But I think if they're in the safe for the rest of the season, where they're kind of vulnerable, any of those teams have a chance. which makes it such an exciting league to go on from here on out, and I can't wait to see it continue. Um, the rest of the summer, we've got two weeks left, so we're definitely getting excited to see the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely, and just one more thing to add. Evan Glass is still a phenomenal player, but you know, at least to, to teams uh, two through five, he isn't an enigma anymore. There are ways to to slow him down, or at least to play close with the right, team. I think, I think when we were and younger, I think that's very dangerous. I think though. when we were younger, you know, maybe thirteen, even like four, last year, fourteen, yeah. even sometimes last year, although he didn't win the league. There was just like, oh, Glass, you can't stop him, and you still obviously he's dropping thirty points at the ease, like no effort, and seemingly no effort. Um, he's still dropping that really easily, but there's definitely ways I think he does, and, and I think we talked about this on earlier podcasts as well. He doesn't really have the stigma around him. Oh, Glatzer, like, he's unbeatable, like, you can't stop him. He's been I think times. that he's been beaten this summer, he's been beaten in the past, and I think that that, <coughs> although he may not feel that vulnerability, I think that mindset switch that the other teams have is really important. Yeah, teams can get close, but can they get over the hump? Can they fully restrict Evan to not getting in the paint? Can they make sure that Evan does not get open looks? Right, and I think that those, and I think that those questions are becoming things that every team both understands and is able to execute on better because we've seen teams do it effectively in the past couple weeks. Teams are able to do it good, but like I said, they can't get over the hump. People, teams keep losing to him by 5, 2, 7, but who's going to be the team that's just going to get over the hump and put up a very convincing performance over them? Right, and I think that's something we're yet to see. So, all right, thank you guys so much, as always, for listening to the Baker Sports Report. Uh, today was a really long episode, so thanks for sticking with us. So much to get to today on Senior Leagues. We'll be back probably tomorrow with an interview with Ben Cohen, who shot the lights out of the ball, as I mentioned, 27 points. He's on a brand-new team in a much better situation. Today. He was really happy about the effort, and he's excited to come on the podcast. So we're really looking forward to having him come on and talk about leagues. Plus, there is the 16th night game that's happening at Baco, the last game in our camp of the summer. It'll be those kids' last ever game representing Baco. Um, so we're really excited. We'll be previewing that. Obviously, we'll have the play-by-play. There's so much coming up later this week. And all right, Lairfeld, big week. big week for Baco Sports. Thank you so much, as always, for coming on and giving My your pleasure. analysis. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Maddie Wasserman, saying so long. Thank you for listening to the Baco Sports Report. We'll see you next time.